Horror, horror, horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, but... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, Jacobs. <laughs> Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Make an Horror Movie Podcast. It's been a while, welcome back. Thanks, Tony. Welcome back. This Cheers, is... Tony. Oh, yeah. I'm Dave, and... I'm John. Yeah, there we go. No questions Just asked. Just John. Yep. Just John and yep. Dave. Um, Move on. Normally, this is the fortnightly horror podcast where each episode, one of us writes their own horror movie pitch, pitches it to the other one. The other one feeds back, blah de blah blah It's a whole thing. If you're not up to date with it yet, have a look at the copy online, I guess, or any other episode. Let's make a horror movie.co.uk? No, let's make a horror movie.com. Yeah, we went com, mate. We oh. went com. So, anyway, look, this is a yeah horror movie podcast where we pitch things to each other, yada yada. Even number, so it's it's my week it's, this week. Yeah, it's John's week this week, that's right, episode uh, 30 is the week this week. And normally, this podcast is in four acts. Act one is feedback on the last episode's pitch, which in this case was episode 28, because last episode we met Dominic Brunt. And act two is the... Uh, it's, it's been a while, it's been a month, John, so apologies culture mate it's act culture. two is culture yeah you, don't worry i've, I've been doing this for a long time and nothing at all has <laughs> exactly, changed exactly you've been it's doing fine. this for ages you're my rock you right. you're my rock i rely on you um <laughs> act three is normally the meat of the podcast that's the the picture itself that's why everyone comes and yeah that's what and we're it's here why for. people stay that's why people get comfy like make a cup of tea kick off your shoes whatever that's it that's the moment you just you relax the recliner little foot bit goes up, you lean back. It's the kind of part of the podcast where if you were one of those people, you'd feel comfortable enough to use somebody else's toilet for, you know, the difficult stuff. (laughs) You know, it's that level of at-homeness you'd feel in Act 3. Anyway, getting off. I'm not even that at home in my home. Yeah, well, quite. But then you're a special case. You're a special case. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it all works a bit differently, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's all pipes and stuff. And release valves. It's mainly steam powered, that's the problem. Exactly, you've got a steampunk gut system. All retrofitted. <laughs> yeah, exactly, all the best ones are. And Act 4 is a brainstorm, if you will, for the title of the pitch that the previous get a title, absolutely, person's yeah. pitched. And yeah, a bit of nonsense, and, and, and wrap up. So it's normally a bit of gold between myself and John. Oh, there's some nuggets, there's always some nuggets <laughs> in the bottom of the pan. you got to sift. I think that's pretty much it. It's good. We hate change. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Different stuff can happen. Um, we'll just find out as we go through. But that's the bare bones of it. Welcome if you haven't been before. And if you have, thanks for coming back. Listen out and you might spot some things have changed around. The first thing is... Exciting. I know. It is so exciting. For the time being, Le Mans Pod is shifting to monthly from fortnightly. Yeah, Big news. Well, yeah, we're... Time for a break, you know. Gotta, gotta spread. Gotta, can't, you can't rush all these things. Can't get all your presents, you know, every two weeks. I think that's it. Yeah, so it's monthly, but that's it's mainly because everyone has full-time jobs and these stories are going to require just a, an extra little bit of time magic. So a little, little second draft, a little tweak. Also had so many complaints from screenwriters basically being like, mate, you can't just keep churning these out. You, you know, you're making us look bad and stuff. Well, I ran the numbers, actually, and I think we're about to run out of films. 
Yeah. So we need to slow it down. That's it. There was going to be no more new films. That's it. There'll be no more new films. I mean, I love a reboot. We've added a a bit of a gun held to the head by Hollywood. um, So monthly for the time being. But we're working on it, negotiating. You know, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, feedback. Let us know what you think. Let's make a horror movie at gmail.com. Yeah, tell us. Are you horrified by a monthly? Are you relieved? Are you you delighted? Is it the best news you've, you've ever heard? Will it make each episode more special? I think is the question, isn't it? Where does it rank in the news that you've ever heard? Is <laughs> yes. it in the top 10? And yeah. if it's not in the top 10, exactly what rank is it? Yes. Out of all the news you've ever heard, the news that we're moving to monthly, I think, almost deserves a rank. I would get them lined up. I would definitely get them lined up, all of the news you've heard. Yeah. And then, we're, well, we're obviously going to be in there, but I, I'm going to go with, uh, I would say, top five for everyone who's listening to this. Yeah, to- really? That's, that's, well, that's bold, yeah. yeah. Top five. I mean, I don't want to give a preview of one of our sister podcasts, but... Let's say it touches on very similar things to that. It may or may not be called Everything You've Ever Learned Ranked. <laughs> A.K.A. All We Know. Yeah. Yeah. A.K.A. A.W.K. <laughs> I just learned that as well. That's another new thing. I'm just going to just just add that to the list. Yeah. That on the list. Marie Kondo of the mind is, is the idea, you know, sort it all out. There's no point knowing something unless you know how important it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And exactly at what point you learned it and where it fits in the ranking. The news, for example, that Rod Hull died from falling off a roof. Yeah, that was about 25,958. <laughs> right. That's really interesting. It's obviously gone down one. Yeah. It's, it's gone down one since we got the All We Know, the, the, the acronym for All We Know, which that's pushed him down one. Yeah, right? that's interesting. Up until that point, that was, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So, he, he so it, and he's gone down. Because it broke the 20,000s for me. Well, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. So, obviously, I mean, I've only found this out through extensive therapy. You know, where, where, which is where this whole thing started, of everything you ever know, aka AWK. Yeah, it's very healthy and not obsessive at all. Yeah, it's, it's utilitarian. Anyway, Tony? Well, fellas, Sam is a bit fishy, don't know what it is, but uh, welcome to Act One. Skeptic. Thanks, Tony. Absolutely nothing amiss to you, from from what I can see. I, yeah, I'm a little bit confused myself, John. I'll be honest with you. It's this Zoom setup, mate. You know, I guess we've you know we're obviously following the guidelines, and we're not sitting in the uh, in the same room. So, spoiler there. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's what it is. He's got him a bit freaked out. I don't know. That's true. I mean, he's at your end. He's obviously at the studio. Yeah, he can see studio, you calling in from. Um, it's pretty hot. I mean, it's you know I've got I, I've get the blind down. Looks here, jungly. Uh, looks humid. Which I personally find it feels difficult. It, yeah. Yeah. All right. I can see Tony. I can see him. He's not comfortable. So look, let me just level with you, Dave. I'm John. Right. But I'm not John. Oh. Okay. I understand the first bit. But yeah. there we go. Yeah. Well, I think that makes sense. Like Schrodinger's cat. Pop an H in it. Then you've got it. Right. John. Right. And I'm going to level with you. Go on. I sent him outside. I right. gave him a little origami boat. <laughs> and I sent him out to side to play in the rain. And... Uh, I've not heard from him. He's not come back. He's not come back yet. Mm. And it's getting a wee bit dark. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. He said crack on. He's going to go and play with his little boat, but I've okay. not seen him. Uh, well, seen that's him weird. Well, so far, I mean, it's all gone fairly samey. So, you know, I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't pointed it out, frankly. I get the only thing I would say about leaving John outside on his own, though, is that um, he's got what they call, um, do they call it the prey instinct? He sees a squirrel running and he will fucking bolt. He's after that. Mm. And the thing is, he gets, he does get lost. And some big storm drains about. Yeah, we'll just. Uh, yeah. So fair enough. It's fine. It's fine. Look, we'll crack on. I'm sure you'll come back. We'll I'm cast sure you'll be back any am. minute now. Yeah. 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 No, but no, that's so I'm good. sure it's not a, a decision I'll come to regret in years to come. No, I shouldn't think so. 
Well, he loves a bit of fresh air, doesn't he? It's for the best, exactly. It's for the best. His waterproof's on, he was all right. (laughs) Well, obviously, shocked as I am at this news, um, I feel it has a very little real-world impact on on things. We basically... Didn't rank that high on all the things you know. That's that's, that's a shame. Well, oh, for me, it's still still indexing in the ranking of all the things I know. It'll take some time to run the numbers. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll just crack on, shall we? My brain's only got the power of two cores, so it's only using two cores to run those numbers. And that's millions of lines of data it's got to run through. So it's it's indexing, but it's a bit like a Mac using Excel. You want to try running this steampunk... gut system it tell you what it takes up quite a lot of processing power on its own yeah it, to be honest it looks like surprisingly it computationally heavy it looks like it uh, <laughs> i mean <laughs> these extensions <laughs> and this is why you're in borneo isn't it it's because of uh, it's because of like off the books stuff it all looks like a bit dr moreau well around. you're not getting this done on the nhs are no, you mate? Uh, no well look this is at one john you heard me introduce the show. You don't need me to tell you what Act 1 is again, I suppose. No, let's crack on, mate. But let's let's read it. We've got some feedback. John didn't leave me any feedback here. He's not left me anything on the desk here to uh, to pick up, I'm afraid. So I guess that'd be over to you, see if you got anything. There's a bloodied handprint on the wall behind you, but... Uh, no, I don't mind that. Don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> That'll come right off. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. come right. A bit of white spirit will get that right out. Yeah, well, lemon juice. Yeah. You don't have to spend big money to get good cleaning products. Right. We've got feedback, and it's been a while, listeners, so, you know, thanks for bearing with us, those that, that have, and for those that are new, sorry about all this confusion. You're probably thinking, the fuck is all of this? What the fuck is all of this? And you'd be no, right. we'll settle out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, it'll settle down, like... Um, I've got a feeling there's something pretty good and pretty reliable coming up. So, anyway, uh, so episode 28, that is, for anyone that's interested, that was Marionette Macabre. So, for those of you who did listen... We've got uh, feedback from North of the Wall Scottish correspondent, oh, and Mothman educated, I always forget, J-Dubs. Now, I suspect this... Sounds handsome. Yeah, it sounds so handsome. It just sounds like it from the name. It's just a very handsome... I mean, there's a cracking picture on the website. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it does sound rugged. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, somehow I worry that this might be the last of these feedback emails we get. So, we'll see. This one is entitled, Episode 28, But What About the Smell, Dave? So, straight in, solid pitch. Well, no preamble. Yeah, no preamble. Oh, straight in. Solid pitch. A return to the universe of the Fae and a return to the countryside. I have to say, I was a little uncomfortable about the lack of any description of the smell of the countryside. I really find smell-free cinema a difficult experience. <laughs> so, probably... It's a valid point. It is a valid point, and prior John PJ pitched an idea... OJ? Original John. OJ. OJ. Oh, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's not that's not a pair of initials that can go wrong. Yeah, exactly. Safe. Safe. <laughs> so, OJ, he uh, did a pitch, I guess, 20, probably episode 27, where he basically kept talking about the smell of the countryside to uh, a sort of absurd level, given that, it's, <laughs> given that it was both an audio and a visual medium, but not an olfactory. Yeah, it seemed a bit fixated. Hmm. Oh, factory, very nice. Is it? Yeah, I think that might be the word. Well, no, you edit this, mate. You just you just pop in a little uh, explanation. Oh, yeah, there. overdub. I'll just overdub. That's it. <laughs> I might start overdubbing my kind of rubbish layman terms. I'll go. I'll sit and go through um, the edit with a thesaurus or a thesaurus. Write in. Tell us which it is. I just overdub all my words to make me sound really fancy. It's thesaurus. Don't write in. Is it thesaurus or thesaurus though? <laughs> Maybe write in. <laughs> thesaurus. Don't. No. <laughs> All right, definitely don't write in then. That's one of the things I know, mate. Don't write in. <laughs> but where, does, make me but where does it rank? 
Um, <laughs> oh, well, do write in about that. Definitely tell us that. Yeah, write in about your rankings. Anyway, um, so Grey Dubs goes on to say, I do like the basis of the pitch with a solid background in lore. I was a bit concerned about the practicalities of marketing a house located within a fairy ring. How does the supernatural transaction deal with time-wasting viewers, the marketing teams, or the commissioned home surveys? I'd also note on the house sale... Sounds like he's just moved house. It does. I'd also note on the house sale, selling your cursed gaff is a pretty shitty move. That, I, I think, is is fair. Yeah, I think what he was going at there is, yeah, why don't you just give it away if you want to get out? Maybe there's a second you know? story there. Maybe that's... Uh, <sighs> So you know, maybe that's another picture. Is is the sort of the financial particulars around the sale of the house at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> All the technicalities. <laughs> and also, don't forget, they were British buyers buying in France. I mean, that's got to come with a whole lot of red tape, especially now. And you know, being France, it's probably not even going to be red tape. It'll be like a funny color, like light blue. Where's going to be good old red tape gun? <laughs> yeah, I prefer the old red yeah. tape, bloody blue tape. Yeah. Yeah, so selling it's a shitty move. You could put it up for a competition prize or something. Why insist on making money out of it? Final point on the sale and the timeline. What on earth happens with the mortgage? Surely when the couple are trapped in the home, the bank must come looking for their cash. Maybe you need to make them winners of a sum of money from the lottery to tie that off. That is a good point. But he's made about four points on the same point. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Yeah, down it's, down it's, it's obviously bit. stuck in his craw. And I've got to think about the audience here when I'm making these pictures. Well, you don't want them sitting scratching their heads when there's people being marionetted around going, but what about the mortgage payments? (laughs) I mean, that just takes you right out of it, doesn't it? It does, it does. I don't know how we'd solve that. Like I say, just make them winners of the lottery or something, just make them cash buyers. Easy done. But then you've raised the question of like, what does the woman trapped in the fairy ring have like an open bank account and solicitors? How does that work? Well, even if they have the lump sum of money, how are they giving it to the old woman? Do you know what I mean? Suitcase, yeah, that's right. Right in, um, for anyone that did listen to that and has ideas on how we solve that conundrim, right in and solve have it. Have you got any first-hand experience of selling a cursed house? Yeah, have you, exactly. Have you bought a cursed house? And if so, how did that financial transaction break down? Have you done the conveyancing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree with John. I'm fascinated about what happens to the exiting occupant potential sequel question mark. Mm. I left that quite open in the thing, didn't I? So you know. So we're in a trilogy series now. So we got the we got the the transactional part of it. We got all the financials. Yes. As, as the sort That's of backstory. And now we've got the the follow up. Yeah. What'd she do with all the money? How did she get it? Yeah. The middle movie is is the horror movie, and then the, the, the sort of third one is tying up loose ends. Just tying up loose. It's all it's all the Grey Havens. The third movie. <laughs> That's a whole other book of just yeah. ending. <laughs> a lot of sunsets and boats. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of goodbyes. Yeah, he wraps up by saying, "Overall, I quite like to see another character introduced into uh, in the Clive story." I'll say this is our guy who was looking for the couple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasting his life. You could lean the narrative over to the Clive timeline, as we slowly reveal the truth of the unnatural nature of life in the house. He also got to say, "I liked John's note on the connection between Clive and Sarah." Also, the odd disappearance of objects. Yeah, like the family thing, like the metal thing. That was good. Yeah, absolutely. Couple of queries. What blocks Clive from finding the house? Oh, good question, J Dubs. Yeah, it's sort of like the fairies could control who could see and who couldn't see the house. And that was oh, why. Nice. Okay. And so they allowed the house invasion to happen because they wanted mm. to play, they wanted to get Just folk to get in the victims. circle, exactly. Whereas they didn't want Clive shouting over the fence, you know, you're in a fairy circle, get out, sort of thing. So they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let him find it again. That was my thinking. 
Only negative note, I'd say that the three-act structure works to give you tight pacing and story arc. I feel the pictures are moving away from this method a little. Loved it. Keep up the good work. Peace and love. No more letters. J-dubs. And that may be more literal. I'll try and stop writing. Yeah, maybe more literal than, than we think. What a moment. Yeah. Thanks very much, J-dubs. feedback as always, J-dubs. Always a pleasure. I'm pretty confident that's all the feedback we had for that episode. Obviously, there was loads I chucked out. A lot of a lot of fan mail, begging letters, people asking, offers of finance, <laughs> people asking about you got branding advice, stuff, a lot of branding advice, emails, a lot of conveyancing advice. Got a lot of questions around property in rural France. Just none of it's really. I think people think you're onto yeah. something. Well, none of, yeah. none of it is really appropriate for the feedback section. That's all. It just um, but no, fair enough, mate. Best to shut the door on it then. Yeah. Tony. You know what then, uh, fellas? Who's this new John then? Who's this new John then? Welcome to Act 2. Just John, mate. Just John, yeah. Just, you know, pop an H in it, Tony. That's all it is. Name reassignment surgery. OJ. OJ's going to be back in a bit, I'm sure. Look, I've seen him go after a chicken in the wild. People couldn't find him for days. He's just staring down a storm drain at the moment, mate. I can see him. I can see him through the window. Oh, oh, well, that's good. That'll work out fine. Do keep an eye. Do keep an eye on him. Yeah, Act 2, welcome to the cultural part of the show. This is where John and I talk about a few of the things we might have seen, heard, touched, tasted over the last four weeks. Oh, right, okay. I was using the uh, my sense of vibration. I'm sure that's a sense. <laughs> I have done a few things and seen a few things. Oh, good. Yeah. It's going to become abundantly clear when we go through culture. It's slim pickings with me. <laughs> a lot of the things on my list are DIY. And would I be right in saying, before we start, that you are less au fait with the horror genre than um, OJ? Well, that's a very gentle way of putting it. <laughs> For those of you who are uh, sharper-minded amongst you, who might have <laughs> made some kind of connection between New John and the correspondent formerly known as J-Dubs... Yeah, I openly admit that I have no background in horror, no experience in that genre. Safe to say that that's a bit of a fair difference there. Opposites attract, as Paul Abdul would say. We'll have one horror fan, one less horror fan that I will try and create some sort of fandom from. This podcast has always been actively welcoming of non-horror fans, so... And those non-horror fans will now have someone to ask those uh, sort of basic, <laughs> non-horror patronizing questions. type questions. <laughs> yeah. When did you first learn? Why did it end sadly? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that out of the way. So let's crack on. We both watched a film this month called Hosts. Hosts, plural. Uh, there is another film around at the moment called Host. It's not that one. This is Hosts with a S on the end. It is going to be at Fright Fest this Saturday coming. So that is Saturday the 24th of October. It is showing at Fright Fest on the Saturday night. And then I think it's going to be out on video on demand in January. So either get yourself on Fright Fest. We'll just do that anyway. And then if you want to, watch it again in January. John, as a non-horror person, I wonder maybe you should kick off, give us your thoughts. Well, it was a bit of a tough one as, as an opening gambit. This was a pretty uh, tough watch for me. So I felt it was quite slowly paced to begin with in the sort of all the establishing shots and some of the initial scenes, but it felt straight from the off, just oppressively scary. <laughs> like something horrible is going to happen here. And I don't know if it was the score or if it was the way it was shot or the landscape that it was shot in are quite how, quite, quite what gave it that 
feeling or if i'm just sitting there going oh i know i'm watching this horror film for uh you know something that's about in my comfort zone but it felt oppressive from the very opening <laughs> and it didn't let up <laughs> <laughs> so it got a, a bit less kind of uh creepingly uh, oppressive and then just became a, you know obviously it sparked into quite significant life later on through the act of the film so it, you know it, it obviously it kind of picked up the pace an awful lot but it never let up. It wasn't. It was pretty unrelenting um, <laughs> as a film. I, I guess is that that's a sort of a, my opening impression of the whole thing. Yeah, nice. To be honest, I'm sure they'll be delighted to hear that. It, uh, so it is the. Um, it's actually a directorial debut from Richard Oakes and Adam Leader, British film, and I guess it's sort of a family drama with mm-hmm. a dark deceit at the heart of it, and then uh, there's quite a strong horror element overlaid over that. You know, for a directorial debut, I think it looks incredible. I think it all lent into that oppressive feeling that you kind of felt. Yeah, and, uh, very pared back, the eye, nastiness just simmering up under the whole time, you know. For me, I got to hold my hands up a little bit, and it was, um, some of it just felt a bit baggy, you know, the, the, the kind of very long conversations about things that were never sort of developed, but I guess it's all just establishing a character. But we feel like we spent an awful lot of time here and a couple having a chat at the start, and you just, you know, where did that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, the couple, in fairness, that we're chatting at the start are the uh, main, I guess you can... They're crucial. I think we can say they're the main they're villains, crucial. ultimately, can't we? Cause I don't think that, that spoils anything. It'll be interesting to get your take on this. I felt it wasn't a particularly violent film, but wow. the violence that was in it felt very kind of brutal and unflashy. Like real life, and it sounds weird to yeah, say, it, but like real, real yeah, life, yeah, the, uh, like yeah. real life crime. It was almost like watching um, Caught on CCTV. You know, and you're like, oh god, that's fucking horrible. Yeah, you know oh, that's actually real. a person. That, yeah, that's it, actually happened. To it you. felt, it, it, yeah. it felt like that. No, I know what you mean. It felt very grounded, very real, very disturbing. Um, yeah, and <laughs> so I'm glad a, it had that impact on you as well because I'm thinking this is what I'm in for. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's good. It. Look, I think that people that are fans of horror that are listening will now, I think, think, okay, great. I might go and take a look at that movie because if if it, yeah, if yeah. it had that impact, <laughs> if it scared J Dubs, yeah. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, great. Okay, well, host is good. We'll put a pin in that for the minute. The other film we both watched is the Honeymoon Phase by director yep. Philip Carroll. This is out in the US already, and in fact, was at Fright Fest at the end of August. So not the one coming up next week, but the one that's already been. So this is a bit more easy to kind of deal with because it was a lot more fantastical in the sense that it was uh, it's not set in your own house or anything like that. It's not your neighbours. It's just specifically some people who signed up to something voluntarily. And it's kind of that took it away from being too relatable, which was made it easier for me, I guess. Again, yeah. a lot more about it was psychology than gore. For listeners, the honeymoon phase, if you haven't already seen it, is a young, fresh couple who aren't married end up going into some experiment for married people where these supposed psychologists or whatever are trying to determine what it is that causes the sort of honeymoon period in a relationship and whether that can be maintained and so on. So that's the basic premise. And this young couple end up in a sort of contained house with like no phone signal yeah. and it seems like all the doors are locked and they can't get out and they've got a... It was a bit uncertain how long they had to stay there but it seemed to be at least a month maybe yeah, it was a couple 30 of months days, think, yeah. oh was it only 30 yeah, days yeah. yeah so that's the basic premise and then stuff starts happening once they're in the house i yeah. guess is what you oh, say i'll tell you what man those opening credits and stuff are some pretty beautifully shot stuff mm. i was really impressed with it yeah i was very impressed as well this had a, a sort of slightly more futuristic sci-fi holograms, polished mate. edge it to it. In it. yeah exactly holograms and 
the costumes and stuff, everything very much placed it in an other otherworldliness to it, which um, I thought worked really well. I thought it looked beautiful, and I thought all of the performances were really good yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't say that about Host, but I thought the performances in Host were great too. But yeah, this one, as you say, like it felt like it was it was sort of trying to concentrate all of the kind of pressures yes. that modern relationships, I guess, might come into over the course of maybe twenty years, but into kind of one month. Yeah, and try to sort of you know that felt like it what it was aiming at. Yeah, but I mean, it was interesting that obviously they still had access to movies and the guy was still doing his job and stuff like that. So, you know, they were um, yeah. they still had some kind of freedoms. It wasn't just sort of having to sit there and stare at each other for a month. It was a bit lockdownish, wasn't it? Yeah. As but say, I think... Yeah, I trying to make that, that pressure cooker. I felt like it was a, a sort of a metaphor because it's like the relationship itself moves through phases very quickly mm-hmm. within that one month in the house. But obviously, because it's a horror film, it goes quite dark, and it and but it but it goes dark in a way of psychological horror, I think, more than yeah, yeah. It was quite disturbing in that way as well. You know, it, it was and quite know, impressive in um, that sense as well. Yeah, because it's you, two of them in there, and that's it. That's the person you rely on, and then they, and then they start trying to you know, there's almost there's a, a controlling element, a bit of a crack or a bit of a yeah. wedge. But the fork stabbing, I've got to say, I like that one because you've got to really stab a fork to get it into someone. I mean, obviously, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't tried it but you know <laughs> i can imagine you've got a big kitchen pointy sharp kitchen knife i can imagine that's going into somebody quite easily but to get a fork mm. in like proper deep deep I mean enough it. to face it yeah I mean you've it. got to really mean that um so yeah i would have taken a bit more of that but i look i was happy with the the end yeah no i quite like the fact you got to literally fire back i wouldn't have chosen to put it in slow motion like that but um <laughs> you know, just yeah, you could see the kind of guys reacting and bits and bobs, and and sometimes if you slow these things down, it can I don't know it can take you out of it a little bit. But I, I know they were trying to make a big moment of retribution and release, so you know, fair enough. But yeah, it felt a bit spaced. It needed a sort of guy holding his hand up to his yeah, doing vein and sort of splurting blood. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, if you're listening to this, I hope you don't mind if I call you Phil. <laughs> so, I heard he minds. Really enjoyed the movie. Actually, genuinely, really enjoyed that one. Um, quite light touch on the horror element so anyone that is listening that isn't a massive horror fan i think well john you're better placed than me to say but i yeah, feel like it's it's, cool. it's a psychological drama you know it's a, it's a bit sci-fi but it's not it ain't hosts it ain't, it's it ain't not gonna horror. make you jump out of your skin there's no jump scares and there's no like overt gore but it still has the horror element it still has that horrific idea in it yeah two good movies yeah, I mean, like you say, they're certainly very cinematically put together. Yeah. If you told me it was a big budget picture, I'd have been like, oh my God, that's great. <laughs> Is that what you do? Yeah, I do that. If do somebody calls it a picture, then I go into my Straight fast-talking high trousers. <laughs> Why don't you a pocket full of firecrackers? <laughs> You're going to be sort of 1930s there. Yeah. Well, it's the whole, it's the golden era of hot. Put them in the picture. Get them in the picture. <laughs> you know? Um, all right. Great. Beautiful. Couple of, great couple of pictures there. Moving pictures. Um, <laughs> besides that, I'm just going to throw out a couple of things quickly. Just rinse two seasons of The Boys on Amazon. I think I'm probably the last person to the party. It's absolutely cemented Carl Urban in my mind as one of the great act- He's just one... I love him anyway. He's done so many good things. And he did the last Judge Dredd film. Which oh, I he thought did was it really well great. as well. Yeah. Exactly. But in this, he is just an absolute joy to watch. Every single time he's on screen, you're just waiting to see what he does. Yeah. And also, you know, as Scottish people, the amount of cunts that they throw into the dialogue is nice, comfortably familiar. Good peppering. Let's say. 
well peppered. I'd say it's a little over seasoned, but it's right. Oh. It's perfectly to my taste. But it, I, I can imagine because you know how Americans are about that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's like it's language that you don't use in North America, and and yet he's throwing it Try around. Trying to use it right now, mate. Throwing it around with gay abandon, and it's a fucking joy. <laughs> what news from the mark? <laughs> Well, lads, shut up about all that. Shut up about it. Yeah? It's act free. Cheers, Tony. Jeez, oh. Yeah, cheers, Tony. I feel like we're back in like the... I feel like he's not <laughs> like this all the time. Not always like this, but he's... he's Yeah, he's having... I, I can't tell if he's having fun or if he's just a bit wrong-footed by you having an extra letter in your name and a new accent. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I've tried to explain it to him like it is... like It's like the Doctor Who regeneration. Yeah, this so is, a, this is like, just another go, yeah. You've got all the same memories, mm. but, you know, you, you've got a Scottish accent. So, Act 3, this is where we normally do the pitch of the podcast, John. Yeah. How are you feeling? What are we looking at? Nervous, we... doing my warm-ups. That's all right. Well, look, you know, you know I'm not a horror fan, but I think I've got a doozy lined up here, mate. Um, I'm excited. We crack, should we just crack straight in? Yeah, let's crack in. Go for it. All right. So, I think we're going to go with a cold open. So, we're going to open on a man. Right. We're going to pull back and reveal that he's lying alone in a hospital bed. Okay. It's going to become apparent to us across the course of that scene that, that the room's deserted and he unhooks himself from the from the wires and uh, starts to walk the corridors and we can think that the entire hospital's been deserted. And then we're going to cut to uh, central London, but it's absolutely deserted. <laughs> All right? And it, it looks like signs of violence. We're going to have a bus on its side. He's going to walk the sort of Westminster Bridge and there's nobody there. Now we're really freaking out. <laughs> Would he, by any chance, would he pause on the bridge and have a sort of look? Just have a look about it. Yeah, a bit of a cinematic moment. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Here's the uh, the thrust of it, mate. Quick zombies. Fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, got you. I like it. That is game changing, but... Turns out it's a virus. <laughs> Turns out it's a virus. Cool. So I've got a couple of issues off, straight yeah. off the bat. Well, I've got a lot here, mate. I've got, page- I've got pages of this. <laughs> you know. It sounds like a rip-off of Day of the Triffids. Which also was then ripped off by a rather more famous movie called Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, well, why not go one? Twenty Seven Days. I'll, 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 I'll do them one more. It, it, the virus is quicker. The virus is one day quicker. There you go. That's it. So this has been done. Yeah. So you sure this has been done? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty confident that one's been done. Let's put a pin in that. You can rewrite that for yep. for another time. I'm just gonna start scoring through it. I tell you what. Let's have an interview instead with Richard Oakes and Adam Leader, co-directors of Hosts, and also Samantha Loxley, who plays Lucy, and Neil Ward, who plays Jack, the two quote-unquote hosts in the film. How does that sound? Yep, I'll take that. That'll do. I'll give you a little bit of time to work on that, and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll come back to it. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the interview, guys. So you're, you're like the first English person we've spoken to, I think, so far. Yeah, really? Well, you yeah. know, got got to do a little bit for English horror podcasts, I guess, or, or British <laughs> horror podcasts, so uh, delighted to have you on the show. <laughs> um, hopefully I'll be a familiar, calming voice in a, <laughs> in, in a sea of American accents. <laughs> but yeah, no, but thanks for joining Neil as well. Um, I'm Dave, Richard, Neil, just... In case you hadn't heard the podcast or anything. So nice to meet you. Thanks for coming along. That's all right. Really enjoyed the movie. 
Adam and Richard, you guys, you guys co-directed this. Like, that's quite a big deal. Uh, I, I know you guys have worked together before, but can you give us an idea of how, how did that come about? How did you sort of make the decision to co-direct a, a film? Well, we're practically married, me and Rich, you know, and like we we just gel together really well. Like we, we just everything we've ever done together, uh, not only has has the outcome been good, I guess, professionally, I think anyway. And in, in our opinion, you know, we've always made good stuff for, for other people, uh, but also we have a hell of a good time in the process of, of doing that. And we come out with crazy stories and a little bit closer every time and you know, and argue occasionally, but then talk about it and get even closer after that. Do you know what I mean? So like when it came to this, it's like, nah, like we're going to do this together because it, it kind of doesn't feel right. If Rich was to just direct or if I was to just direct, it's like, nah, let's do this together. And moving forward, all the next films, let's just do this together. And, and it just works. It works really well. And, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Great, I get that. So it's like, uh, do you know what? I'm gonna. If you guys are smoking, I'm gonna smoke. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> my first five, podcast five, that I haven't been drunk on. I think. <laughs> nice, because we've run out of beer. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's that's a pity. I mean, look, I'm flattered that you've stayed relatively sober, so uh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> we're we're up at like three o'clock later on to get up to go to sieges for the for the European Premier side. So. Yeah, in Barcelona. Yeah, I didn't get too drunk, otherwise we won't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the co-directional stuff. Did you find that that worked a treat? I mean, it sounds like it was quite a melting pot, just a creative melting pot. You guys know each other. You work together well. Did did you find that you run into any challenges that you didn't anticipate? Or did you have to figure out a way of kind of doing things differently? Or did you find that all the prep you'd done and all the, you know, all the shot prep and stuff, did that kind of ease that a bit? I think because the time we did the filming, um, we had very little time. We shot the whole thing in pretty much eight days. And then we had a couple of pickup days where we'd kind of run over. Um so our shot list went completely out the window. <laughs> oh, really? Me Adam, yeah, me and Adam planned um, every shot down to the finest detail, really creative. And then by the time we got shooting, we were we were ending up mostly on safety shots to try and make sure we've got the story in the can. And we were like, oh, we're not getting everything we need. But, you know, people have still come back and gone, man, this is like really interestingly shot. And it's like, well, that's good to hear because I feel like we didn't, get to do half the things we wanted to in the time that we had. But me and Adam kind of made a system before we went in because, you know, we love each other on, you know, that kind of professional level and, and work really well. But when you're in a, a, a very stressful environment and wanting to get everything right and you both have a difference of opinion, which is quite rare for me and Adam, to be honest. Most of the time we're completely on the same wavelength, which is why I think it really works. But sometimes when there's a difference of opinion, it can cause problems. And the last thing you want is getting into an argument on set or anything like that. So we kind of went into it slightly different and, and we, we sectioned it. Um, because I'm a DOP by trade for um, other feature films and other people's projects um, for other directors, um, we, we decided that I would take the DOP but also the visual side of the whole film. So like the um, the way the scenes look, the, the, the shots, the angles, the blocking of the camera, and, and we'd work all that out while Adam was actually we actually didn't see each other much on the shoot <laughs> until it was like rolling um, because he was he'd be in the garden then going through the scenes with the actors making sure they know their lines and they're delivered how he wrote the script 
because um, Adam wrote the script. So we thought that worked really well because Adam did the script that he would deal with the character side of things and I'd deal with the visual side of things. And then when we sat together, we kind of worked on the scene together. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. When we came together to roll, but us on our own, we'd be working on our individual sides and we, we wouldn't really be in each other's faces or anything like that. There's a couple of times when we kind of were like, oh, I think it like should maybe go this way when we were filming or maybe it should go that way. But we're pretty good at compromising um, or discussing the reasons why we think our own re uh, reason should work. And I think we're, we're pretty good at saying, no, I think you're right. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. we're not very, it's not about the ego. It's about the product. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess an eight day shoot absolutely speaks to that creative partnership. On the DOP question, Richard, because this is a directorial debut, did you find it much of a jump to move from DOP to director or, or was um, it just like you wanted to get your hands on it? The answer I want to give, I definitely can't. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've been directing music videos for nearly 10 years, so I, I know the process of running a shoot on my own and, and also managing the camera and the lighting setup and being my own gaffer and stuff. I'm, kind of used to being a one-man band so I'm used to a lot of wearing a lot of hats I guess and and kind of dealing with lots of pressure and having to work fast so that's kind of one thing that lots of people say on DOP is he's very very quick and I use minimal setups to get bigger results I think people get surprised by the lighting setups because I use very few like it's usually two or three lights I use for a scene or something like right. that so whereas a lot of DOPs will kind of get a truckload in and then flag all the lights off and try and get rid of the light. And it's like, we'll just start with less. It's easier. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're, you're giving yourself a headache. But yeah, I, I think uh, I had Sean with me as well, who was our gaffer and first AC. Um, and he's a DOP by trade as well. So we had a DOP as a second cam op and gaffer. So I'll be able to say, this is the type of lighting I want go and do it. And he would know exactly what I was saying. He would go set that up and he would also operate the camera for a lot of it. I think we did about 50, 50 on the camera operating of the film. Cause I'd ideally I'd like to be on the display with Adam in video village, kind of just watching the scene without having to think about focusing and stuff. But actually most of the time I was focusing from there mm. with um, a wireless fo follow focus. So Sean was operating and I was doing the focus while directing with Adam. Amazing. Yeah. And so, do you, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of straddling a bit of both there as well. So in future, do you see yourself going more down the DOP route, more down the director route, or you sort of just however however it plays out? Well, I'm already kind of balls deep in the DOP route, which I love. <laughs> I love camera. I love color. I love light. But for our own stuff that we write, I definitely want to push more into the directing side and potentially hire a DOP in that's probably happy with me being quite controlling, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's fascinating, really, because you guys wrote this and you wanted to avoid cliche, which I think is really interesting. And I guess my question is, like, uh, did it start out from that point of view? Or did that was that kind of part of the evolution of the story from the first draft on? We always wanted to write compelling stories and tell compelling stories. And for us, we don't want to fit into or pigeonhole ourselves into a trend of algorithmic horror films where you, you just the story is secondary and instead you know the the violence and the 
naked people whatever is primary you know it's like now nah, we we don't want to do all the all the all that shit that you know that sells a film some of them are great you know it's cool i'm not saying they're they all suck but it's it's like now nah, we want to tell a compelling story on the platform of a genre that we've grown up watching so you've got like this dramatic thriller actually happening and the 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 horror or the supernatural element of it and and the violent element of the of hosts is elevating that story on i guess on a theatrical level on an entertainment level more and it's helping tell that story and emphasize the points that we're trying to get across in the story and the feelings that we're trying to induce into the audience the feelings that we felt when we when we came up with it and when we wrote it if that makes sense yeah no absolutely well you know what i, I wanted to touch on it since jack's here um an eight-day shoot jack well how what was that like for you how, how did that uh, it feels like it must have been quite a pressurized kind of environment do you know what um eight days for me i think i've done a couple of other films in the last sort of decade that uh, have been around eight to 10, maybe 12 days. I think the longest one I did was Two Graves on Netflix, which was, um, I think I did 12 days for me, but there was about 15, 16 days in total. So I think with, with the pressure of only having a short amount of time as an actor, there's a pressure for you to perform, which is the sort of pressure that I would experience on, on stage. So you sort of know your stuff going in and you know you've got to get the best that you can out of the first few takes. But, I mean, even these guys with the restricted time, it was, if it wasn't what they wanted, we would keep going. And then, hence, it would be the, the days were quite long. So we, we would always want to be there getting the best we can. So for an actor, it's, it's I'm quite used to it for a lot of the indie stuff I've done in the past and some of the, the sort of bigger budget stuff. But working with these guys, I, we're all really good friends. So I kind of know these guys and what they sort of want. Anyway, I've been around sort of like months before we even started shooting. So I kind of knew what, what Adam and, and Rich wanted from the character of Jack, obviously with it being so split um, from average Joe to evil Joe. Evil Joe. Evil Joe, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a camaraderie and there's a, we're doing this because we want to be doing it, not because we're being paid. Right. Even though we were paid. So um, <laughs> we were all there because we wanted to be and we wanted to be involved with what these guys can create and what I've seen them do for, for the last three, four years that I've known them. Yeah. Was it a fun shoot, a fun experience for you? I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? It's, it's, it is it's single-handedly, hands down, the best film shoot I've ever been on. Some of the content that we had to shoot for the film is obviously quite close to the bone and quite harrowing to sort of watch. So we have to keep it light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we were, I mean, we, we know the, the scripts inside out. So we knew certain things that were, were coming and shooting. So that these guys were giggling like schoolgirls. Um, <laughs> whilst everyone else was like, what the hell have I just, what? Oh, oh, this is, oh. And these guys are just like, because <laughs> 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 um, I think you can get too bogged down in what we were actually shooting. If, if you let it take you over. First day of shooting, me and Adam are in, Multicolored, unicorn onesies, unicorn onesies nice. like direct, directing, because <laughs> <laughs> we just want to be like this is. You can be comfortable and you can have a laugh, and it's not not strict at all. Well, obviously, the strictness comes from everyone's passion to want to get it done. It doesn't come from barking orders or anything like that. There's no kind of hierarchy on the set. Mm. Everyone's chipping in. Everyone's equal. 
everyone was paid the same from the top to the bottom all had the same day rate because we wanted everyone to be equals on yeah. one set and that's kind of quite a thing that we were adamant about doing just touching on that with what rich says i think as an actor to be involved in a project that's like that it sort of grounds you as an actor because a lot of egos take off in this industry and and people think they're bigger than, and better than other people but on this set no one is is higher we all like he says we have the same same pay and we all are there for the want to be doing it and other sort of films and british films and sort of bigger budget stuff there's a clear hierarchy of who gets all the money at the end and then there's there's sort of people not being paid as much as they should be or even at all in some cases mm. so that's something that the boys are massively passionate about interestingly you 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 touched on the violence and i wanted to i wanted to ask about that because the violence seems really real and brutal and I wondered whether that was a choice in the sense of just juxtaposed against the kind of the possession element, it felt very grounded, the violence. And oftentimes in horror, it might have a sense of style. It might be a bit stylized or a bit fantastical in some way, but this felt like you're there and it felt like you're getting sprayed with brains, you know? Um, well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. That violence is only effective because you feel something for the cast you feel something for the characters and we we were so adamant on letting that script breathe getting to know those characters and really understanding them and being able to relate to them in your own way and that that was crucial to us because you can have a film that's the most violent film of of whatever year you know and and like it can be just constant 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 and there's so many films like that but they get forgotten about quite quickly in my opinion because someone dies in the first five minutes and then you meet someone else and then they die and like you, you you don't care but when you care about someone what's happening to them however violent it is or it isn't whatever's happening to them in that negative situation you care because you've taken that time to get to know them does that make sense yeah you know no I mean? absolutely does yeah yeah i think i think that's it i think if you took the bit that everyone talks about in this film and you put it at the very beginning with someone you don't know, I don't think people would call it that violent. But people are saying it's like horrifically violent, like people are saying it's the most violent film this year. But I I think that's just because of the build-up and the character development. I do think that. I think it changes the effect of it. Yeah, I think you're right. And also it's a situation. It's a very... It's a very straight domestic situation in that sense. And then to see then such kind of opposite to your expectations is really jarring, but works obviously incredibly, incredibly well. You're obviously all working in the business for a while, but is there anything, certainly from a a sort of a a debut feature co-directing as well, is there anything that you kind of feel like you maybe would do differently next time? Is there something that you were like, oh shit, we didn't anticipate this? Lots of things. (laughs) I think that's kind of part and parcel of filmmaking. I don't think even on the massive budget films, they, there's not stuff they have to solve on the fly. Um, I think that's what, someone told me before, that's what filmmaking is, mm-hmm. is problem solving. I think that's, that's true. There's not one sh- film I've ever done or music video I've ever done that isn't problem solving on the fly. But it's an interesting one. There's obviously things that we could have done better or we could have got something better for, have an infinite budget or infinite time time would have been a good thing to have more of but i kind of don't want to change anything about it because it made that shoot what it was and it made it special i think if we had if we did like three three hours a day and then the cast like and crew 
got as much rest as they wanted and they had a swimming pool and all this stuff. I don't think those performances would come out. I think they were exhausted, tired, and very much emotionally drained from pushing those emotions that I think that got the best out of them. Not that they can't do it, but that got the best out of them because they were in such a emotionally battered and like mentally battered state when they're kind of doing a lot of these scenes just because it was such hard work. But we all loved it at the same time. And the fact that it was it finally come to, to shooting something that essentially we'd been building and, and working towards doing for like almost a year, you know. And like Rich said, we were just all so happy to be there with amazing people. And there was so much invested into it emotionally, more than financially. And I think that's everyone was just as driven as each other. And I think that's why it worked. Yeah, great. So interestingly, you touched on financials a bit there. How was getting this funded? How, how did you find that process? Was that something you already had kind of fingers in pies for? Or was it like a lot of begging? How, how did that look? Or, or did you sell a house? There's no fingers in pies. We're, <laughs> we're the unknowns of the unknowns in, in our entirety. But what we did do was, and this wasn't intentional, but we, we started a YouTube channel talking about cinematography. and um, But me and Adam not wanting to do things the way we guess supposed to, we, we just made it a bit kind of very tongue in cheek. So you might get some information that will help you, but most of the time it's just watching it for banter or the comedy of it. But we would teach lessons and stuff, but everything we'd say was just complete garbage. Or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was, it was just not taking itself seriously at all. And you'd get people that want, I guess, proper advice told seriously in the lens chart data and stuff kicking off in the comments and we just found it funny because it's like there's a million web, like youtube channels you can go to for that information but you've come and watched us and then having a go at us for doing what we want to do and we've kind of always just done what we want to do we found it funny and we had like a what we called inbox of the week every week and it would just be taking a mic out of people that just got enraged by what we were doing and we just and it, it was just fun and we got a little bit of a following. We managed to build up 4,000 followers on that, which isn't massive, but it, for, for six months' work, we did that. And then we, were, we looked at investors. We had a couple of investors sign up, and then we had um, Brexit and stuff, and everyone was like, ah, it's a bit too risky to invest in film at the moment. So they kind of pulled out. We were like, what do we do? We were like, we were like could we crowdfund? And it's like, oh, I kind of hate the idea of crowdfunding, you know, uh, buy a pebble that's got my face rubbed on it, and you... you, you <laughs> we'll take that money and then we'll make a film and then all the proceeds that we get for our film and all the sales goes to us. Thanks. Do you know what I mean? So we were like, we don't really don't like that idea. So <clears throat> what we decided to do was a couple of things. We announced on our channel, did a couple of videos about it, and but we were going to raise money through YouTube. And um, we did a few lives and people were, you know, throwing money through that as like the donate button. But that wasn't kind of asked for that they kind of did, which was really nice. But what we offered was something I've not seen personally done before, which is our fans got the opportunity to become proper investors where if they send us X amount and we had different tiers, you get this amount of points in the film and you, you get the back end money that we do. And there's some of our investors are getting more than we are. So the, the, it's like, um, 
crowdfunding, but the people paying for it are getting the most money back out of it. And crowd investing. So yeah. it's it's crowd investing yeah. instead of funding, and yeah. it's not something we've seen done before. And we we quickly raised the budget we needed for the film because people were like, "Yeah, I want some of this," and I trust in you guys because they've seen what we've been doing on the channel, saw that we were capable, even though we did it really stupidly and never <laughs> took it seriously. But yeah, and they're all paid back now, and they're starting to make profit. Amazing. And do, do you think you would fund another movie in that, in that way then? I mean, it seems to have worked, frankly. So. I think it, it worked for this, because this was, and I don't think I'm allowed to say, but it was, it's a low-budget film, money that we didn't have, but equally, you know, not um, crazy high. But in terms of what we want to be doing next and the projects that we've got written, it was it's more of a, I guess... We, we, substantially higher given the, the the material that we've written but that all depends on how the meetings that we plan to set up with a few individual investors that that have potentially shown interest go you know yeah, yeah. if not yeah absolutely why not do it again yeah well i mean i get i guess you know i, I suppose more avenues might open up of course as a consequence of host but i mean it, there's people out there i would invest if i'd known i would have put money in and we'd all be laughing in in our wealth as a. As how a much? Company. How much have you got, man? How much you got? Come on, come on! <laughs> no, I could, I could, I could go. A bit of that memorabilia in the back and get quite a bit of money. Oh, this, this, yeah, exactly. This is just nonsense. You can't have a shed with like a projector and a screen and not fill it with shit. <laughs> just happens. You go. Well, I need something for the wall. I know. Let's get a massive fucking tie fire. <laughs> anyway. I wanted to ask you a couple of other things. How did Dark Sky get involved, and has it been a good experience? And the best. It's it's been the best. That they're they're, uh, they're fantastic, and they they share the same vision as we do. And and we had our eye on them for quite some time. And I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say this. Neil Neil Ward was the one to actually make that happen for us. The guy's an absolute legend, and it was through someone he knew, and he, he put him in touch with us and, and our producer and. That's how we managed to reach them via a recommendation. And nice, yeah. It's like the the swings and roundabouts and the catch twenty two of the industry, similar to the actor thing of um, to get an agent, you need to be in something that's uh, you need to be on TV, but to get on TV, you need to have an agent sort yeah. of thing. So it's the same when you you come to uh, material. If you're not solicited, if you've not got a sales agent or something like that, or someone that represents you, then you can't just cold call people. But the guys proved that completely wrong. <laughs> A very good friend of mine, Sam Gittins, who was in A Wait for Other Instructions. Uh, and I was at the premiere of that in Leicester Square uh, two years back now and sort of stuck around afterwards, had a beer with, with Sam and, and Johnny. And they got in contact with our producers and, and the guys. And Amazing. We sent a screener and we were worried with, that they hated it or something because it took a little while to come back to us. And then we just got this email that was like pages long. Of, like, of why they loved it. <laughs> this film is great. We love it. We absolutely adore what you've done here. And then, but it was the first distributor that we've got quite a few come back to us. But it's the first distributor that just told us why they loved the film. They really understood the film and the the art kind of side that we we put in, and they understood our decision making. And they get us. They they get what we've done here, and that's more important to us than anything else the other distributors are offering. I think. Because there was, you, they couldn't go to film markets, so they couldn't go and acquire films right. where they normally would. So I think they were a lot more open to receiving cold emails, which kind of worked in our favour on that side of things. But on the other side, film festivals have all shut down, so 
we you know we didn't get into as many film festivals as we wanted to um so it has been swings and roundabouts with it yeah Although you are a Saturday night at Fright Fest, which was pretty fucking awesome, frankly. Yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> with the last film being, oh no, there was a couple of screens, wasn't there? On the on the live one, the actual one in Leicester Square, that was we were like, dude, that's a big deal. Like we were the the, the closing film for the, our channel on the Saturday night, and I'm like, that's that's pretty big. And then obviously, Cobby grabbed us by the balls and, and stopped that. And closed Cine World down, yeah. Yeah, that's. Which is, I mean, that's mental. That is mental. Terrible. Look, someone's decided to join us. Hello, someone. I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> someone, uh, someone is Sam. This is the one that makes everyone's night just the worst night possible in hosts. It's uh, it's lovely to meet you in person, and I'm glad I'm at a digital distance so that I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know what? You know, it's probably best for both of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm very killable. Is, is that a, is that a pod racer that I see above uh, your? You've got a Tie Fighter, another smaller Tie Fighter to make it look like perspective. Um, <laughs> I name. just have a massive thumb to make us look in perspective. But <laughs> jokes, it was a really shit joke. There we go. That's as funny hey. as I get. Sorry, it's nice to meet you. I'm sorry that I'm so late joining. I'm laughing. Hey, no, don't worry about it at all. <laughs> hey, you're back. Whee. I grew up in the part of Essex that is just past Towie, but still not quite country enough to be considered like rural. So we're kind of just in between. And there was actually a town called Fingringho. <laughs> there was no E, it was, it was not Fingering, it was Fingringho. And the thing is, the next village along was called Singleton. <laughs> they they should have got got together. two villages by us. One's called Pussy and one's called Cumna. So Cumna. you what? can go Cumna Pussy. <laughs> what, what, what? Is the village called? It's not that kind of show. My my friend's grandma used to live in a place called Cracks Bottom. That's good. And we've been I've shot a music video in a place called Bell End. That was quite funny. <laughs> you've gone from scary psychopath sound to historian channel. Of silly named places. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how these towns aren't twinning with each other is mad. Finger and Ho and Singleton or whatever should be twins villagers. Um, yeah, but if they, right if they twins, then, then they would be made redundant. Mm, that's true. <laughs> it's like when when the voice of the silent uh, the silent majority makes makes a statement. It's like, well, you're not a part of the silent majority anymore, so yeah. you have to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you was, and perhaps I shouldn't be asking it, but it's sort of about about the subtext or about the sort of secondary themes. So I felt like beyond the, the sort of dramatic tension of, you know, the, the family and the honesty and, and the sort of deceit and all the stuff that brings about, am I right in thinking there's something kind of almost anti-tech or environmentally based? You, you've got fracking that releases these things... Michael says he had to sell everything when they closed the mines. I mean, maybe I'm stretching this, but, you know, the implication is the sort of uh, technology removes jobs. I don't know. Perhaps. Okay. (laughs) One, one, and this sounds horribly pretentious, I don't mean it to come across this way, but one thing this film does not lack are layers. Yeah. And, yes, on the surface there is this gruesome, terrifying, whatever thing happening, but it's conveying a message and underneath that one of one of the messages is how lying to your loved ones can 
completely alienate you and destroy everything you love, as Sam says in, in the film, destroy everything he loves. And there's also a biblical layer as well. Yeah. It may or may not have the layers to it too. We've spoken to a few people about certain things and then we're kind of like, maybe we should be quiet because I think if we explain everything, there's no mystery left. And I think mystery is what gets people talking about it. And we've had um, reviewers say, this is what it's about and, and list this amazing kind of detailed thing. And we're like, we just say, yeah, that's what it was yeah. about. Because <laughs> that's probably better than our explanation of what it is. But I think it's, and we've had other people go, oh, is this about, because they're American, this is about the natives being pushed out of their land because of technology, similar to what you're saying, right. and displaced and stuff. And we're like, we're not American. I mean, I, we understand that plight, but it's not a personal thing that we've grown up with. But it is to them, and they take that from the film. And I think one thing we've found is lots of people that do actually take the time. We get some people going, doesn't make sense to me, you're rubbish filmmakers. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. But then we get other people who look really into it and they, they pull out. And when you look at who they are and their background, it tends to match that. And I think that's really nice that people are pulling stuff that they relate to out of it and what they feel yeah. passionate about out of it. But it doesn't have to be the original thing that we planned. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And, and, and interesting that you touched on the um, the biblical aspect as well. Uh, I won't ask you about that, but obviously I did notice the the uh, the cut to Abraham and his son. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've got the turning over of the picture of Jesus uh, earlier in the movie and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I spotted it, but I won't, I won't put you under pressure. <laughs> well, I mean, we, I, that's one of the things I think we can kind of talk about because I think that's the main kind of two threads is there's what's going on in the family and what's going on in these two are essentially the same story, but from different sides. So you've got the dad who's not been a great dad to his kids. And then you've got the demons who feel like they weren't treated well by their father, who essentially is God, and they were pushed out. Right. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. And, and so being angry at your father, I guess, is kind of what the essence, the two main threads going on, and the duality there of what's going on. Right. But there's, there's more subtext to it within that. It's not saying that... It, the film, in essence, isn't against any kind of religion or anything. It's saying these particular people that have come here this night do not wish to be looked upon by this entity. So it's it's kind of there saying, okay, us here right now, we, we won't be recognised by, say, a picture of Jesus. But the family that they were invading... They are like a Christian family. So it's nothing, the, the film isn't against religion in any way. It's showing how people have differences. It's, it's easy to look at it and go, oh, this is blatantly kind of anti-religion or anti-Christian, but it, it kind of isn't. It's, it's more telling the story of the biblical history of, of things and where that could lead to in a fantastical world and of allegory. And, and my take of her pushing the, the picture down is almost a little bit of shame mm. if you know what i mean of don't look at what we're about to do because that's their father <clears throat> do you know what i mean who's mm. who they're upset with and want to hurt but they can't have him looking at them while they do it it's that type of thing of 
if someone was going to cheat on their wife, they would that's, put the yeah, picture of their perfect. wife down yeah, yeah. so that it. she's not watching them. Do you know what I mean? That's kind Absolutely. of the way I saw it. I was just about to say that, thinking like, it reminds me, I, I was going to say completely stupid of me to think this, but the scenes where the guy's cheating on his wife and the secretary in his office, and he just turns the thing away. That's exactly what I thought that's, when that's I read that. Of, like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had to ask the question, but, you know, I felt bad doing so. I'm really bad at it because I, I definitely believe that, that we should keep it kind of more under wraps and let discussions go. But I also, I'm really bad at secrets. <laughs> like, it's quite easy to prod answers out. <laughs> I mean, I've always hated the, it's whatever you want it to mean, man, kind of answer. Yeah. I, I'm ne I'll never kind of say it's whatever you want it to mean, because it's not. It is what me and Adam mean it to be. But if you get something else out that, that relates to you then all power to you and that's great do you yeah. know what i mean absolutely well since i've put you on the spot about that i may as well put you on the spot about one one other thing which was the ending the final scene if you like they get just outside the house you know and then they see unhosted demons shooting about yeah, the orbs we just call orbs them, but... there we go do you have a takeaway from that should i have a takeaway like do we, i mean because it feels like that idea of um we've been in a microcosm and, you know, the concept is you just have to escape this microcosm to sort of to get to safety, if you like. And, and I mean, they... that's one bit I, 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 I honestly thought was quite clear. I'm, I'm not, probably very not thick. one bit I felt was allegory or anything like that, but it, it's completely that. It's, it's the initial kind of brief that we started with was what if we had the end of the world where demons take over, right. but we only show one family's experience of that. At the end, you kind of see a, a glimpse of that it's Everywhere. bigger than the house. Do you know what I mean? But a few people have been like, don't get the ending. And I'm like, okay. Uh, well, like, I, yeah, because you see the people outside, you see that there's it's bigger than just their house. But we also kind of wanted to relate that into the secondary stuff as well, is that the issues that happen in the family with, with the father is not an isolated event. This yeah. is what most families probably go through. I agree. I think it's so much more interesting to focus on a family. Imagine the end of the world not being the primary right. uh, piece of knowledge for the entire film. And instead, you get hints of that through the film whilst focusing on one family's experience of this, oh man, no pun intended, but pandemic like happening. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, I mean, I, I took the ending as you've implied it. I just wanted to, I felt obliged to ask because there's a lot going on and, you know, I don't want to fuck it up, you know, and think, yeah. it, think it meant something else. No, it's all good. Like, like you said, lots of people haven't got that, which I was actually shocking to me. Not saying, all oh, they're stupid. Not, not at all. Like, it's just we thought that was quite evident, but obviously not. I mean, I do think when you're writing something, there is this um, tightrope you're walking on of making it too obvious that it's just like, oh, that's predictable and too cryptic when no one's ever going to understand it. And and trying to ride that tightrope when you yourself know all the information mm. is very difficult to know how much to reveal and how not much not to because everything's obvious to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You already know everything. Yeah, absolutely. The only other thing I should ask really is, is what's next? I mean, obviously you... You've got hosts and you've got all these festivals coming up and stuff, but you must have got some seeds or projects or... We had seeds. A couple of those seeds have grown now 
in into full screenplay plants. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're working with the analogy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we, we have um, two completed screenplays. I guess currently working on uh, working out which one we want to do next, and it depends on budget and stuff and this mm. that and the other. But uh, and we're all, we're working on a third. We're in in the, the process of actually writing the third screenplay. So yeah, there's quite a bit going on, man, and and it's very exciting. Uh, it's cool yeah it's really cool so that yeah there's stuff just look out all right well i will certainly be looking out for that and in the meantime well done guys i mean obviously it doesn't mean anything coming from me i'm just some twat but we try and speak to everybody we can on twitter and, and reply to people because like we are like we said earlier nobody's first first time directors and totally so, i mean we had um we We've had some really good reviews in some big articles and some big magazines, but the stuff we've got really like giggly and excited about is like a YouTube review with like ten views that's like just absolutely loving it. And we're like, this guy, we love him. Yeah. Like this is amazing <laughs> that they've reacted to our film like this, and it's, that's cool. We just want people to enjoy it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and 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 like what we put out, and that's kind of our all we want from it is, yeah. is that. I should say thank you again so much for taking the time to chat and again congrats and uh, I wish you the best of luck with your all your festivals Barcelona tomorrow Fright Fest coming up and any more you got on the cards thank you thank, thank you, you so much take care buddy bye bye see you bye. on Twitter bye guys oh well, lads uh, thanks very much oh, I don't know why I'm so thanks actually uh, sack four cheers man cheers still a bit brusque is that the right word yeah, he's, I don't know, he sounds like he'd, someone's thought at the centre of his heart there. I think he's, I think he's getting used it's to it. He's warming up, yeah, a little bit textury. It may be nothing to do with you, John. Could be there's any number of variables at play here. I notice he's... Well, I mean, I haven't checked the lunar cycle, so yeah. You're yeah, right. he's drinking a can of Tab Clear. Now, Ooh. exactly, that raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? Raises it a does. lot of questions. That can't be good for you, can it? No, well, quite, and I'm wondering <laughs> That's if... That's going to have been around, uh, out of date by a so long way, So variable surely. number one, Tab Clear. So yeah, we should say again, thanks very much to Richard Oakes, Adam Leader, Neil Ward and Samantha Loxley for giving us their time the night before they flew off to uh, Stigler's Festival in Barcelona. If hosts sounds like your cup of tea, it is on this Saturday coming at Fright Fest the 24th. If you haven't got Fright Fest tickets yet, get yourself a Fright Fest ticket and pass. It's fucking worth it. But yeah, thanks again to them. Really lovely to meet them. Lovely guys. And we wish them all the best. Good, man. For... Thank you. Nice of them to give you so much time. Yeah, exactly. Very generous. And wish them all the best for their next projects. Since this is uh, ultimately an interview episode and not a picture episode, we, have pro- we should probably look at winding it up, mate. Sure thing, buddy. Yeah, that was great. Thanks very much. Well, oh, th- great to thanks, for, th- thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in, mate, from... <laughs> From wherever it is, Bora Bora or somewhere. Yeah, listen, I'm going to have to go and look for John, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried now. He's completely disappeared from sight and the light's completely gone now, so I better truck off and go and try and find him. Have a look, but don't worry too much. He's got a great homing instinct. We, we, we know <laughs> he does, he yeah. does have a great homing instinct. On that note then, looking ahead, next episode will be around about four weeks' time, maybe a little less. Obviously, we will have the countdown timers on the website to let you know. If you have anything you want to talk to us about, send us an email at letsmakeahorrormovie at gmail.com. Otherwise, just try and think of something to do for the next few weeks until the next episode. Yeah, try not to catch COVID. uh, Yes, definitely try not to catch COVID.
I think that's your lot for episode 30, the big 3-0. If you want to send us a 30th anniversary money cake or... Mainly money. Money bouquet of flowers. Just anything that you might... Electronic money over the airwaves. Yeah, exactly. Send it to let's make a horror movie at gmail.com. Oh, I said no more letters. No more letters. I can't, <laughs> I can't accept any of them. <laughs> Nightmare. We'll be back to a normal episode next time in terms of pictures and stuff. So get ready for that. Feedback if you want on any of the old ones. Rate and review us. Get on iTunes. Yeah, on get iTunes. On Apple Podcasts. Tell one of your surviving friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spit the news about let's make a horror movie podcast into your friend's mouth, your aged loved ones. Whoever. Yeah. Kiss a school child. <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably <laughs> remove the bit where I say kiss a school child. Yeah. litigation wise. Yeah, they're surely the super spreaders at this point though. Shut up man, keep the schools open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've not met a parent yet who wants to be in another lockdown. <laughs> For this week then, thanks, John. For um, very much, Dave. for all you do, let's make a horror movie, everyone. You can say something. You can say cheerio. No, or, no, <laughs> no. <laughs>